Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. We are a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, please visit www.vcnola.com. Here is this week's message. Welcome to Venice Church. Happy to see you today. Uh, my name is Matthew Weaver, and I'm one of the pastors, and we're going to be in Genesis 1. I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, Genesis 1 and go to verse 28. Genesis 1, 28, as we continue our series called what? Flourishing. Flourishing. And then you got to say people. So let's try that again. What is it? Flourishing, Flourishing people. Okay, there we go. Genesis 1, 28. Uh, we have talked about the past several weeks what it means, what the Bible teaches us about humanity and God's intention for us to flourish right? Uh, If you're new and you're not sure about what's going on here, uh, you can go back and check out all the recent sermons on that. We've talked about very different elements of flourishing, like uh, loving relationships, faith formation. And so if you want to go to that QR code that's going to be on the screen and check out the, the sermons we've already done. But to flourish, another way to say to flourish is to uh, be whole as God intended, Right? To be a human and to, to live your human life as God intended you to live, flourishing, being whole before him. And so we're talking about all these different ways to flourish from Genesis 1 and 2, uh, but there's a problem with this thing, right? And the problem is called sin. Sin holds us back from flourishing because in the beginning, God created male and female, and there was no sin, right? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But sin came in and disrupted the flourishing that God intended and brought about brokenness, which we are all products of brokenness, aren't we? There are different areas of our life, different things happening that show us and remind us that, man, we're experiencing brokenness. Uh, But just because we experience brokenness doesn't mean we can't pursue flourishing, And aren't you thankful this morning for God sending his son, Jesus, to recover and pursue that design for us, to bring us back on track, right? To to give us forgiveness of our sins and lead us towards flourishing. But because we struggle with sin, we have to intentionally pursue flourishing. It doesn't come natural for us. And so this morning, as we think about what it means to flourish, what it means to have meaningful purpose... Raise your hand if you want to live your life with meaningful purpose. Okay, if your hand is not up, it's because you need more coffee. Okay? We all want meaningful purpose. We don't just want to wander around life aimlessly, do we? We want to have some kind of direction and purpose to our life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Genesis 1.28. I want to break down these verses for us. And I want us to see how God originally intended us to live with meaningful purpose and how we need to pursue that design through our relationship with Jesus and spiritual habits to live as God intended for us to live as humans made in his image. So Genesis 1.28, it's just a very, just one verse. It says this, it's on the screen. Uh, It says this, it says that God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. 
subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The word of God. God is laying out a framework to Adam and Eve on what it means to have meaningful purpose. And you may read that. It's kind of a common verse. If you've read through Genesis 1 and 2, this is not new for you. But as you dive into the words here, I think we'll learn something new about meaningful purpose means that we have a responsibility to steward and live out, right? And God wants to use us in that way. And so Genesis 1 and 2, very quickly, here's the context. Uh, God created the heavens, the sky, the earth, the land, the waters, everything God put together. And then he created fish and animals and birds and every living thing. And what did he save for last in his creation? Yes, human beings. And the reason he saved us for last is because we are made in his image, in his likeness. We are meant as humans to represent God to the world, and we have unique and special responsibilities that the rest of creation does not have. So God has entrusted us to be his image bearers, which is humbling, isn't it? It's also a huge responsibility. And so we need God's wisdom on how to do that. And the best way to do that is to look at what he originally intended for us to do. And so here's our main idea if you're taking notes. If we want to flourish, we must live out our God-given meaningful purpose. God-given meaningful purpose. And we're going to dive deeper into that with three main truths. You know me, I like truths. Truth number one is this, write, write this down. Fulfill your purpose in multiplying and raising up. Fulfill your purpose in multiplying and raising up. The first thing I want us to look at says God bless them, right? And then it says, God says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So God's desire is for the earth that we live in to be filled with his image bearers that represent him, right? And we know that we can't truly represent him as we were intended to without a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. But even all humans, whether they know Jesus or not, are made in the image of God, right? And so God's original intention before sin was for everyone to just represent him beautifully, but sin has broken that, and so we pursue a relationship with Christ to come back to that design. But then God says, with that being said, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply, and I want you to fill the earth. And so I want to I break down some of these words here. What does fruitful mean? Well, the word fruitful uh, in this specific verse points to God ultimately being the giver and grantor of life, of a, of a child being born from a husband and wife. When you read the word fruitful in the Bible, let's think about John 15 for just a minute. Jesus says, I want you to bear what? If you know, yelled out. I want you to bear fruit, okay? He, I want you to bear fruit. And what he's talking about is I want you to pursue a relationship with me and when you abide in me, you will bear fruit. 
You won't bear fruit apart from me, right? It's through a relationship with me that fruit is going to come out. And that's the evidence of a relationship with God. So God is the one who grants that. In the same way, God is ultimately the one here that's going to grant a child being born to a husband and wife. He's sovereign over that, right? And we know that there, the word fruitful points to him being the giver of life, and then the words multiply and fill the earth point to the responsibility of the husband and wife to raise children in the Lord and to be uh, good stewards of what God has given them. And so there is a cooperation here of the Lord being the ultimate giver of life and then husband and wife being responsible and obedient to God to raise those children up, right? To steward that, to fill the earth. Now, we need to think about this. Let's just be honest. I know when we read this, a lot of things are running through our mind, which is we need to think about those things because this command is given before sin and brokenness. Things were perfect. Things were not dysfunctional, right? And we know that Adam and Eve sinned against God. They were deceived and they ate of the fruit. And now sin goes down generation to generation to generation. And just to remind us this morning, sin has impacted every single element of what's around us. From our own tendencies to the brokenness of the world, even to this idea of being fruitful and multiplying. Because if we're, if we're thinking about this this morning, this command kind of strikes some of us in a, in a tough way, doesn't it? Because some of you have had things like complication of children being born. You're not able to have kids. Or you've lost a child. Or your marriage is broken. Or your kids are rebelling from you, right? There's just so many things that come to our mind with this, and I think what we need to do, first of all, is bring that brokenness and that hurt to the Lord, honestly, right? And as we do that honestly, and we bring the pain that some of us may be experiencing, we, we remember, number one, that God sees and God knows and God is with us in our pain. And he hurts for us. And he's our comforter. Not only are you seen by God, you're seen by others. I think if we would all just sort of take the shield off or the facade sometimes, we would just approach each other with honesty saying, I'm broken. I need help. I need the Lord. I need you. And there's some freedom in that, isn't there? Is that we're all struggling in some way. But with this commandment, as we bring whatever is coming through our mind to the Lord, we can still, in our brokenness, pursue flourishing. We take our brokenness to God in honesty, and we ask Him to meet us there and lead us forward in flourishing, towards flourishing. Now, I wish I had all the answers for you on how that works. I don't because I'm not God. I can't pretend to. But I know that God has a way of taking our pain and our loss and our struggle. And he has a way of comforting us, healing us, and moving us forward in his grace and mercy and still working in our lives. Amen? But the honest truth is, 
we have to take it to God. We have to acknowledge that brokenness is here and we need God's healing. And then as we think about multiplying and raising up, the second thing I want you to think about is I want you to think about the generations that are under you. I want you to think about all the younger kids, all the teenagers, all the young adults, all the people that you interact with that uh, are in a, maybe a season behind you or two seasons behind you in life. Because I think this passage is about filling the earth, but it's also about being a steward of the people that God has placed beneath you that you can pour into. Because what our goal is in this Christian life is for the image of God through his son Jesus to spread and spread and spread and more people to jump in, right? And so as we think about the generations under us, I want you to think about whether you are a biological parent or not. Every single person has a part to play in investing in the next generation and helping raise them up in the Lord. I'd like you to raise your hand if you can think of at least one person that's older than you that has played a part in your life with purpose, following God. Most people are thinking of somebody, right? So who can you be for somebody? I mean, let's just think for just a minute. This room is filled with people that have all kind of gifts and abilities. But think about teachers for a minute. Aren't we thankful for our teachers? We are so thankful. Yes, teachers. I mean, they are with these kids every day in the classroom. Whether the kids want to be there or not, they have the opportunity very, very intentionally to make a difference, don't they? Let's think about coaches. Coaches, right? Think about mentors. Uh, think about maybe you've got a family friend and your kids love that, that, that friend, right? Sometimes kids will talk to your friends before they talk to you. And that's, that's not a bad thing sometimes. We need voices into our lives. Think about our generation's ministries with V-Kids and V-Students. The younger people in the room right now, the kids in the back learning about Christ. You have something to offer every single person that comes your way, whether they're your kids or not. So fulfill your purpose in multiplying and raising up. Amen? Number two is this. Fulfill your purpose in stewarding creation. Stewarding creation. The text says this. Then God says, subdue it, talking about the earth, the land. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, let's break down some words here that will help us understand what it means to steward creation. Word number one is subdue. The word subdue speaks to bringing order and impact around us. It's directly connected to our vocation or our calling. So as we each pursue the calling we have in our lives, which is that deeper passion that's in us that drives us to do what we do, we then can do the work we do as an overflow of 
the calling God's put in our hearts. Let's think about these two words, work and calling. Yes, they're connected, right? But they're also different. You should do your work, which is the hands-on application of the calling in you. Does that make sense? Your work should have some kind of deeper motivation. Because sometimes, let's be honest, our jobs don't feel like a calling, do they? (laughs) That's another uh, effect of brokenness. Is that this side of heaven, there's brokenness in many, many different ways. And our work can sometimes not feel feel fulfilling or like we're living out our calling. And sometimes seasons come and go and jobs change and all of that. But at the end of the day, there should be some kind of deeper reason more often than not for the work that we do. Let's think of it this way. When you do your work, think about this. How can you help bring order to the non-order or the disorder around you? How can you help bring order to the non-order or disorder around you? Check out this quote from Every Good Endeavor, this book about our work. It says, all work has dignity because it reflects God's image in us and because the material creation we're called to care for is good. Work is our design and our dignity. It's also a way to serve God through creativity, particularly in the creation of culture. So think about your job as a way to help bring order out of non-order, out of chaos, right? I mean, let's think of all the things humanity has done over the, over the years of history for just a minute. Remember, we're made in God's image. We're different. So part of what God has entrusted us to do is to create, right? I mean, think of all the things we've invented and achieved over the years, all the way from the light bulb. You know, before the light bulb, people just went to bed when it got dark. So now we stay up late, you know, but the light bulb, we're still thankful for that, aren't we? Because, I mean, where would we be without light today? We'd survive, by the way, but we are thankful for it. I mean, think about cars. I mean, back in the day, they'd walk everywhere. They'd ride a horse. But now we've got cars. We've got things like the cell phone. Uh, We've got all this technology. Aren't you thankful for FaceTime? I mean, you'd have to write a letter years ago and then wait like two weeks to get a response. Now, if you've got people that you want to talk to in other states or across the world, all you do is FaceTime them. That's pretty awesome. Think about things like prosthetics. What about modern medicine? What about being able to hop on a plane and later in the day be somewhere else? That's pretty cool. What about music and the way we can listen to music? Um, Without shame, does anybody still listen to CDs? What about tapes? Anybody still listen to tapes? What about record players? There you go. That's awesome. So whether you want to go old school and keep it that, or you just go to Spotify or go to YouTube. That's pretty incredible when you think about all the things we've been able to invent, right? As time has gone on, humanity has brought order to the culture. Only humanity can do that because we're made in God's image. 
I want you to think real quick if you're, if you're familiar with the Tower of Babel story. Some of you may be in Genesis 11, kind of when things are picking up and humanity is kind of getting going here and, you know, sin has happened, so it's a mess. Uh, but they're still going, they're functioning, they're creating, they're living life, they're doing all this stuff. But in Genesis 11, they get together and they're like, you know what, let's build a tower and let's try to get to heaven by building this tower. And they think, and it's pretty fascinating, they build this out of bricks, I think, and they just build it, I mean, so, so high. And it's kind of that first example in scripture of seeing humanity create something pretty incredible. But Genesis 11 says this about the Tower of Babel. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And then the Lord came down. He saw the city. Uh, he saw the tower that the children of man had built. And he said, behold, they are one people and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. But there's a problem happening here, isn't there? <laughs> it says that they want to make a name for themselves. It's pretty incredible what they're accomplishing. But the problem we see in the very beginning of creation, not too far off in the beginning, is that humans are trying to make it about themselves and not bring glory to God. And so what does God do? God knows that this is not going to end well. So what he does is he comes down, he takes all these people, and he does exactly what they didn't want him to do. He dispersed them. <laughs> Just a little reminder that he is God and we're not. He dispersed them, and then he gave them different languages. And that's how we got different languages, by the way, if you're wondering. That's how it started. God spread them out, gave them different languages to remind them, hey, look, be careful. You can create I've made you in my image, but this is from me, not you. So we're to do that very carefully. We need God's help, don't we? To steward creation the way God intended, we have to look to God's glory, God's purpose, and God's perspective so that we can point to him, not us. God has given each of us something that we can do to subdue, to bring meaning and purpose around us but he's the one that's giving us the ultimate ability to do that. Let's think about how God has gifted so many people with the jobs they carry out and how they bring order and purpose. Think about, I mean, like I said, where would we be without teachers, doctors, police officers, judges, chefs, amen? Waiters and waitresses, servers, nurses, the postal service, Construction workers, business owners, businessmen and women, counselors, pastors, musicians. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm not covering all of it. Mechanics. I really, I'm really thankful for mechanics. Everything that we do, sometimes it may seem meaningless. It may seem meaningless. But your job helps make our environment 
our world a more efficient, better place. It brings a level of order to our community. So my encouragement before we continue, as you think about your job and you're like, I don't see the purpose. Some of you may see the purpose very clearly, but some of you may be struggling. Think about how it brings order. Think about how it helps society. And then let the Lord drive that even deeper. Subdue the earth. Number two is dominion. Dominion. So we've got subdue and dominion. What does dominion mean? Uh, dominion speaks to ruling over creation. So we've got bringing order and purpose is one thing. And then the second thing is ruling over creation. That's what God says. He ha says, have dominion over what? The fish of the sea, the birds, and every living creature. So let's talk about the word dominion. Genesis 2.15 is one great example of this. It says that the Lord God took the man, this is the very beginning, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and what? Keep it, to keep it. So not only does God want us to be good stewards, remember God's the owner, we're the stewards. We carry out that responsibility from him. Not only does God want us to be good stewards of our stuff and our money, but God also wants us to be a good steward of the environment around us, the land around us, the animals around us. Now, obviously, God's telling Adam and Eve here to take care of the animals. There's a bit of a context difference, isn't there? We're probably not taming animals, uh, especially where we live here in this area. If you are, that's, that's incredible. Uh, I'd love to come hang out with you. I love animals, so... I'd love to come hang out with your animals, but you're probably not taming animals, right? So what does it look like in 2024 to actually have dominion? Because Adam and Eve, all they had at this point was animals and land. That's it. There was no, you know, Chick-fil-A. There was no businesses. There was no schools. There was no development. It was just land and animals. And God said, Take what I've put around you and have dominion over it. So today, I want you to think about this. Having dominion looks like things like this. Caring for the earth, natural resources, caring for people, city planning, housing, infrastructure, hospital work, cancer treatment. What about levy systems? Hurricane protection. And let's just think about water since it's so fresh on our mind from last week, having clean water. That's just naming a few things. When something happens and the people that are over that thing try to take care of it as soon as they can so we can be okay, that's having dominion. That's a big deal. They're not just doing that because they're getting a paycheck. They're bringing dominion. When you take care of something, when you pick up trash, when you get on that school board or you get on that planning team or you get involved in your neighborhood or you go or you serve people that are struggling and you try to help them. During Hurricane Ida, for those that went out and volunteered and did this and helped and, I mean, all that stuff is not just stuff we do. It's having dominion over the earth. 
because God has entrusted us to care for the earth. We should have dominion as we fulfill our purpose in stewarding creation. So, stewarding creation, subdue and have dominion. Number three, number three, live out your God-given meaningful purpose. We've been kind of vague so far, right? And I, I get that. The text doesn't tell you and I specifically what to do, right? It's kind of a vague framework for the first two human beings thousands of years ago. And I think there's, there's value to that because we see what God wants us to do generally. But now I want you to think about your life. And I, wanna, I want you to think about the calling God's placed on your life. And I want you to think about, if you don't know the calling, I want you to actually start thinking about the calling and praying about the calling and seeking God about how he wants to use you in a specific way. But my encouragement is for you to live out your God-given meaningful purpose. And to explain this, I want to share three things from a book called uh, Calling and Clarity by Doug Koskela. Calling. Now, by the way, calling is not just a word for people in ministry. Because <laughs> sometimes we use that word as, oh, he's called to do this. There, she's called to do this. Calling is a spirit. It's, it's got to be a vocational ministry thing. That's not true. Okay, everybody has a calling. Every single person in this room has a calling. And so I want you to think about what that is. And it matters just as much as people in ministry. We all have equal purpose. I share that because it's kind of a thought some people have. I want to get us all on the same page. We all have calling. So the first type of calling is this, a general calling. It's on the screen. A general calling. Let me explain that. A general calling is things that every Christian is called to do. Every single Christian. We are called to do some of the exact same things. Here's a quote to explain it. General calling refers to those things to which God calls all people. It's not limited to certain times or places. It's what God wants of everyone all the time, lived out in the midst of the mundane details of every day. So what are some things that we are called to as all Christians? Well, things like seeking God and spending time with him, reading the word, understanding the scriptures, spending time in prayer, living in community, not isolation, sharing your faith with people, being a good witness to people around you, loving God and loving people, pursuing a lifestyle of holiness and joy, and many more things. So we all have a general calling. No one's exempt from this if you're a Christian. Number two is a direct calling. A direct calling. So this is a direct call from God to do something in obedience. So this is something that you might not like doing. <laughs> um, you may, you may not. You ever been somewhere, like for example, maybe you're out in public somewhere, you're doing something and you see a person like 
maybe 20 feet away from you, they don't see you, but you see them. You could easily avoid them. I've done that before. Um, just because you don't feel like talking, right? We all have those days. But maybe that person, there is something very specific about that person in your life that you need to go tell them. Or you need to check on them or you need to go do something. And you know that God is saying very clearly, like, it's like a beating in your heartbeat. It's like a, you know what I'm saying? You know exactly what I'm talking about. When God is putting something very specific on your heart, that if you avoid it, you are being straight up disobedient. It is so obvious. And you have to go do it. You just think about what that looks like for you, right? It's obedience to something very specific. Sometimes it's right in front of us. Sometimes it's farther down the path. It's often geared to your life, your circumstances. It's clear from God. It might make you uncomfortable. It's often rare, but it's a direct assignment from God to you. That's direct calling, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. And then thirdly, and I want you to really think about this one, is missional calling. This is the fulfillment that you experience when you live out your vocation. Okay? This, here's a quote. It, number one, it aligns with your gifts. Look at these things right here. It aligns with your gifts. It involves something you're passionate about. It gives you joy. It takes significant time and prayer and uh, communal involvement to discern other people speaking into your life. It's lived out in many ways throughout your life, not just your job. It's the depths of who you are, the way God's created you, and the passion within you to do something to make a difference in this world. For all the V students in the room, this is something you're thinking about a lot right now, right? You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about what's coming up, what's the next five, the next 10 years, or maybe some of you are in a career struggle right now and you're wanting to get out. And you're like, this is not what I'm passionate about. This is not bringing me fulfillment. And you're just thinking, what I'm doing is not aligning with a passion that's deep in me. I think it's important for us to take our passions and align them with God, the passion that he's given us. Because God has uniquely created each of us in our own way. We all have a very specific uh, wiring to who we are. And that's intentional. No one is the same, and they shouldn't be. God has created you uniquely, and if you give your life to Jesus, you then receive the Holy Spirit who takes those giftings that you have and begins to empower you even more to live out those giftings to make a greater eternal impact around you. And so as you think about your missional calling, think about what are you passionate about? What fulfills you? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you excited? Not every day is gonna be perfect, by the way. <laughs> but there is something deep within you driving you to do what you do. If you don't know your missional calling, that's your first step, is to seek God about what that is. By the way, this comes with a level of fulfillment. God wants you to be fulfilled. Did you know that? Yeah, you live your life for him, you sacrifice, you, you obey, but that doesn't mean you're miserable. 
We've talked about joy, right? Y'all remember that? Serving God brings you joy, but serving God in the midst of how he's gifted you brings you joy and fulfillment, even when the, hard, the days are hard. It's, it's okay. It's good to be fulfilled. We use it for God's purpose. So missional calling, general, direct, and missional. Before we wrap up, I wanna share the most important thing with you. If you wanna flourish, you've gotta live out your God-given meaningful purpose. But what's the key ingredient to this? To live it out generally in our world and specifically in what you do. The most important element that's going to carry you through this is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about doing things for the sake of making some kind of small impact. I'm talking about doing things that might seem to have a small impact, but because of God, he uses it for greater impact. And you can't live out your meaningful purpose without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't. Don't forget, he's the creator of everything to begin with. He has the ability to take your life and use it for a specific purpose and an eternal impact. God didn't just save you for something. Becoming a Christian is not just getting the heaven card, right? <laughs> There's a lot of years between now and heaven, so you're sitting around a long time. God didn't just save you for something. He saved you to do something. To do something now that echoes into heaven. Flourishing on this side of heaven might not be complete, but we pursue it because if we don't pursue it in Christ, we fall back, right? We live in isolation. We give in to sin. We go down a very dark hole. And God has given us his spirit to pursue in the midst of our brokenness the design that he originally wanted us to pursue. And one day, that's all going to be complete when we get to heaven one day, when Jesus returns. But we don't sit around and just wait for that day and do nothing, do we? Yes, there's work to be done. There's people to get saved. There's, there's all of this. But God also wants you to flourish through his spirit right now. God didn't just save you for something. He saved you to something. Ephesians 3.20 says this. To him who is able to do far more, I want everybody to say far more. Far more abundantly than all we ask and all we think according to the power at work within us. Keyword, within us. To him be the glory. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, confessing your sins to God, repenting of your sins, getting baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit and living in obedience for Jesus, he is able to do far more through you and he is the one who's working his power in you to do what he's called you to do. Not you by yourself, 
Jesus through you? Will you live out your meaningful purpose with Jesus in and through you? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I want you to think about this. As the music arts team comes up, I've got three questions for you to reflect on. This is a lot. I can't, I wish I could just speak into all y'all's situations. I can't. I'm throwing some general truths at you. It's now your responsibility to take these truths and this scripture, seek the Lord and ask him what this looks like in your specific life. But I want you to think about these questions throughout the week and today. What is your meaningful purpose? What is it? There's just some things I can't do and I shouldn't do. (laughs) I'm just not wired to do them and I'm not good at them. I could easily get down to the dumps about that and want to be good at everything. Or I can just accept that I'm human, I'm created for a specific purpose, and I should live in that purpose and not compare my purpose to other people's purposes. My purpose is just as significant as yours and vice versa. So you've got to ask yourself, God, what's the purpose you have for me? Remember, it's God-given. If you're not sure, which I'm sure there's people in the room that are very confused about their purpose, I get that. Hopefully this sermon just gets you kind of thinking about it, praying about it, and moving in that direction. Or maybe you can see your job in a different light now than you did before, and what you do with your family and throughout the week and everything. If you're not sure how God has wired you, gifted you, and what your purpose is, how he's called you to make a difference, do a few things. Number one, seek God's face. Seek God's face. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you clarity. Can I encourage you as well to live in community? Nothing good happens in isolation. Community also gives you the ability to hear from people that know you, that are walking with God, that may have something to offer you in wisdom. What about testing something out? Trying something. And as you try it, Wait for God to maybe confirm that or not confirm that. When a door closes, don't be discouraged. God may just be saying, this isn't for you. I got something better. Don't force a door. Wait on God. And when he makes that clear, you've got to confidently walk through the door. Step out in confidence. What is your meaningful purpose? Number two, where are you lacking confidence? to live out your meaningful purpose. We all struggle with insecurity and doubt and fear. But Ephesians 3 teaches us that we are not alone, right? It's him that is working in us that power to carry it out. So any lack of confidence that you have, be honest about it, bring it to the Lord and ask him to replace all of that with his confidence through you. Work through it. Don't let it hold you back. And number three, how are you serving others through your purpose? Through it. Looking around the room, knowing what a lot of you do, I see how your purpose is making a difference. 
You may not see it all the time. Sometimes I don't see it in what I do. I get discouraged sometimes because ministry is not very quantifiable, if you will. You know what I mean? You're here, but it's not like I can say, well, you know, how do I, how do I you know, measure success in ministry? Well, I look at you and I ask, are you being faithful to God? Are you, are you seeking to follow Jesus? Are you living out your purpose? Am I being faithful? Is God working? Yes. Sometimes it's hard to see, but when you tell me things like, thank you for doing that. Hey, when you said this the other day, it meant a lot to me. I'm reminded of what I do. It has purpose. Same for your career, your job, what you do, what you do every week, how you volunteer, how you serve. You may not see the difference it's making, but I promise you it's making a difference. And what you do helps other people flourish. You know, we always say the church would be, the church is at its best when everybody is using their gifts and serving and coming together. And that is so true. If you're not using your gifts in the church, we're not, we don't share that just to get more people and this and that we share because we know the church suffers when we aren't all using our gifts, right? But also outside of the church, think about the world we live in. When we are not living out our vocation and calling and purpose in our culture, people around us are not experiencing what God wants to do through us. And so we all have a part to play. We all have a God-given, meaningful purpose. I want you to bow your heads for a minute. I want you to think about your purpose. Uh, lots of thoughts are running through your mind, I'm sure, about what that looks like in your life, in your family's life, and your job, um, in your neighborhood, in your relationships. I just want you to take those thoughts and sort of process those, and then I want you to bring them to God and just ask Him to meet you in the midst of all that stuff. And God is going to begin as you seek Him to, to, to reveal even more His purpose for you, His purpose for you in your marriage, His purpose for you in your parenting, in your friendships, in this church, in your job, in your neighborhood, in your community. So God, as we think about our meaningful purpose, God, would you just open our hearts up even more to be open? God, to release control. God, to, to live in obedience, to take a step, to, to any lack of confidence to give it to you and ask you just to help us work through that. Thank you that we're not alone, God. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for giving us meaningful purpose. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.